welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Stephen White. Stephen, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Um, not too bad. Not too bad at all. We are in the midst of. Can you? Believe, it's like it's week six. It's crazy. Right. Like, <laughs> how did the time fly by like this? I know. We're 24 hours away from another exciting Thursday night football matchup between the Chargers and Broncos. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Literally on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Bart Scott voice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Let's see. Where where to begin? Wait, I guess – I guess let me start with something because, like, I know we talk about our picks sometimes, and it's always kind of a fun, fun thing that we do internally here. Um, I don't. Nobody. Well, one person picked the Falcons to beat the Broncos, but nobody else did on our panel, and I think that yeah. was probably indicative of most of America. I would think. You know what? In hindsight, we probably should have picked Atlanta last week. But I, I think it's one of those things where nobody really believes in the Falcons still. Yeah. Um, and, and they were going to Denver, you know, playing in Denver. But, I mean, the Broncos were starting a rookie. Yeah. Uh, and normally you got this high-powered offense, even on the road. Um, they're going somewhere and it's going to be good weather. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other team is starting a rookie quarterback. You at least give – even odds for the the road team to win. But I think it's just a product of, like I said, people just, including myself, haven't really bought into the Falcons yet. Maybe they will after their performance, uh, because quite frankly, I didn't expect, uh, you know, uh, Paxton Lynch aside, I didn't expect for the Falcons to look that good on offense Mm -hmm. uh, against their Broncos defense. So maybe it is time to buy into them, but, yeah, it just, uh, you know, I don't know of anybody personally who really thought they had a chance of winning that game, and they did. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's kind of funny because remember, I mean, the Falcons were 5-0 and last year after five weeks, and uh, obviously we all know how that turned out. Yeah, that was an epic collapse. <laughs> and, you know, Matt Ryan is a guy who looks great, but then he'll just, you know, inexplicably make – Big time mistakes at times across his team, and of course last year it was uh it was uh the running back they lost who started off so hot and ended up getting hurt, and they kind of coincided with that slide. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, um, Devontae Freeman is still playing real well, but Tevin Coleman looks amazing. Yeah, all of a sudden, right? Like. This dude, I'm watching the film. I'm like, my goodness, where did this kid come from? Yeah. Uh, last year, he kept fumbling, and he had all these different issues and couldn't really get on the field. Even when uh, Freeman got hurt, Cole, it's not like Coleman just you know picked up picked up where where, where Freeman left off, which was a, an issue. But I'm gonna tell you right now, uh, they might, they probably are a more explosive offense with Coleman on the field. I'm not saying that Coleman should uh, start over Freeman because Freeman brings you that, that attitude, uh, that physicalness uh, as a starting running back. But man, Coleman, they're doing so many different things with him too. You know, line them out wide and throwing them, the, well, not wide, but, throwing, you know, put them in the slot 
line them out and throwing them the football, letting them run the ball, and that dude is a home run threat. Oh, yeah. Which was, you know, because I remember, like, that was another one of those cases where, like, he gets drafted, there's this insane amount of hype around him. Because, you know, he's a hell of a, he played at Indiana, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, he's a hell of a player in college. There's a lot of excitement about him coming to the NFL. And he gets to Atlanta, and it's kind of that weird running back situation with the Falcons. So he doesn't get a lot of playing time. Then he fumbles a little bit. But, like, he is, I mean, he's living up to it now. There's no question about it. And that's a hell of a one-two punch they have with him and, and Freeman. Oh, man, that's, that's a hell of a one-two punch. And then, plus, you know, uh, with Julio Jones playing so well, you know teams are going to double-team him. So you need to make them pay when they do that, whether it's running the football or having another guy step up. And, uh, you know, Tevin Coleman is basically ending up being like that third wide receiver right now for them. And, 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 and like I said, it's not like he's catching the – passes and going five yards this dude is taking it to the house mm-hmm. so uh, he, he adds that another explosive element to that team above and beyond julio jones yeah and so now you know maybe you don't have to throw the ball 50 yards down the field to get a big play you dump it off to tevin coleman and he can take it to the house yeah yeah, and I thought that was interesting, too, because they really seem to attack the middle of that Broncos defense. Not the line so much, but like kind of those inside linebackers. And that's it seems like that they made some money on those plays, you know? They really did. They, they, you know, I'm not a Kyle Shanahan fan, and I think his record <laughs> kind of speaks for itself. But he's done pretty well so far this season, uh, dialing up some nice plays. And especially, like I said, the stuff that they're doing with Tevin Coleman. It's so easy just to, you know, keep a guy like him in the backfield and just let him run the football. But when you start moving him around like a chess piece, yeah, then that really allows him to 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 maximize his talent. Uh and, and just being able to to work him into the floor of the game and, and still have Freeman running so well too. Because yeah. you know, we talk about this all the time. That Broncos defense is nothing to play with. No. Right? They're, they're good on every single level of that defense. So I, specifically, I thought that offense was finally going to struggle because, you know, some of these stats and, and, and everything had come against weaker defenses, even though that 300-yard that game from Julio came from a young and, and, and during the game banged up secondary against the Panthers. So I thought, hey, this is going to be the real test now. They're going to see a real defense. What can they do? Man, they marched up and down the field the first couple of drives. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I, I have to give Kyle Shanahan props for how he's doing this year. I still don't trust him per se, but you, you can't argue against the results right now. No, you really can't. You really can't. I wasn't even sure – he was going to play all that much because they said that there was some concern with, you know, he was worried a little bit because he had the sickle cell trait. But I guess he just had the trait. He didn't actually have sickle cell anemia or anything that would, you know, possibly like with Ryan Clark that time he played in Denver and got real sick. Well, actually having a trait can affect you that way, too. Oh, it can. Uh, yeah. But uh, I guess they determined that he was going to be OK. So. And he was. Yeah. <laughs> and with Ryan Clark, I think maybe it, it was a situation where they could have they could have taken some precautions, but then it just got so bad that you know he ended up in a crisis situation. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they were probably monitoring him the whole game closely too. Uh huh. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and he lit it up though. In the end, it was a good, it was a good deal. Now this will be interesting because the Falcons come into well, they're on the road again in Seattle this week. Yet another defense that you don't fuck with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right, absolutely. <laughs> and it seems hard that it's like hard to think about maybe that like I picked the Falcons that I didn't pick I picked the Seahawks this week because it's just it's not that this isn't so much like I don't believe in the Falcons per se. I just you know, hard to do that same thing twice, you know what I mean? On the road especially. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's a that's that's kind of an underrated team. I mean, the the Seahawks because we've talked about you know they had such a weird start to the season, but man, those last couple of weeks they and they had a bye this last week. But they they, I mean, they blew up against the Jets too. And that defense right. is playing as well as it did maybe that Super Bowl season. Right, and and um, their pass rush, uh, the Seattle's pass rush, has really kind of you know come on strong the last few weeks too. But I tell you what, I, I think this will be the week, you know, because uh, Atlanta, like I said, they had a, a strong showing on offense last week, but their their defense also played really well uh, against the Broncos. But at the same time, you know, Vic Beasley, who I, I chose as uh, my house of the week this week, had four sacks. Um, and they really got out to Paxton Lynch, and he kind of showed that he was a rookie, made some rookie mistakes, um, some, some, you know, maybe ill-advised passes, mm-hmm. what have you. But this is going to be an intriguing matchup with Seattle's offense as well because they finally look like they're back on track. You know, they look just terrible. The first couple of weeks, we, mm-hmm. we were all joking about the offensive line, and I don't know that the offensive line has made some huge step forward. Uh, the two weeks after that, uh, they did get uh, Ifedi back at right guard, and I think he's playing decent. Um, but what they've done is they've unleashed Jimmy Graham. Yeah, and and I think that's made all the difference in the world in that offense, and, and kind of they kind of. Uh, uh, got better through attrition a little bit too because I was saying this after the first two weeks. I, I thought that, and it's not just because I picked him as a breakout player. I thought uh, uh, Christian Michael was a better fit for the offense right now because because the offensive line is so bad. Yeah, um, they don't open holes for very long, so you need a guy that's going to hit it right away, just downhill, put their head down get the three yards in a cloud of dust, and then yeah. maybe, just maybe, if there's actually more than that to, ha- to that you could get, you can get that too. Yeah. Uh, whereas Thomas Rawls, who was kind of the starter initially, but then he got hurt, uh, is a little bit more of a patient runner. And he's a guy that can, can kind of hit that home run if you have a better offensive line. Yeah. Uh, uh, an offensive line that can, can maybe, you know, maybe the hole is okay initially but you're patient enough and then it really opens up well that wasn't really happening with the 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 Seahawks offensive line so a lot of times Thomas Rawls was he was having to juke people in the backfield yeah so now we see with uh 
them getting the ball to Jimmy Graham, pushing the ball down the field. Teams have to play them more honestly. And now uh, Michael is hitting the holes downhill, getting everything he can. And he's really playing well right now. And I, you know, I'm just interested to see um, as much as, 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 as everybody's going to be focused on whether their offense can, can once again have a big day against a top-notch defense, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see can the Falcons' defense have another good day against what's looking to be a pretty good offense now because Russell Wilson has now had some time to heal up a little bit. Uh, he's probably going to be as healthy as he was since week one. Yeah. Um, and that guy presents you a lot of challenges uh, on on your best day. Yeah. And we know that the Falcons defense hasn't, hasn't necessarily always been their strong suit. So they had a great week last week. They were going against a rookie quarterback. I'm very interested to see if they can duplicate that um, against a, a, a much improved Seattle offense. Because I tell you what, if they can go out there and, and c- come close to repeating their performance last week against the Broncos, I'm going to be all in on the Falcons after that. Like, I'm still looking a little bit of doubt in the back of my yeah. mind for the reasons that I expressed earlier. But if their defense can actually show me that they can hold their own too for two weeks in a row, then, hey, man, things are going to look good for the Falcons for the rest of the season, I think. Well, what was it? I mean, like, what was different about that? I mean, obviously, Beasley's breakout game, breakout game of his career, really. NFL oh, absolutely. Career. But just like what, I, like what, like I mean, I guess to me that made it seem like they're more aggressive. But I don't know that they necessarily changed defensive philosophies or did anything different that week, did they? No, and and, and the thing is, it is it, it wasn't just Beasley. They got some good pass rush throughout the game, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that the White Freeney weekly is getting stronger and stronger now. We know he came in yeah. late, signed late with the Falcons, but. The more he's getting playing time, the more you see him showing up, even if it's not always him that's getting the pressure or the sack, like he's causing the offensive line to respect him, which, you know, forces them to kind of leave other guys Mm one-on-one. So you're seeing, uh, well, at least for one week, you saw their defensive line look pretty damn good when it comes to getting out to the passer overall. It wasn't just – um, Vic Beasley and his big day, but they were they were kind of getting after passion. Like I said, now we'll find out this week if that was just a product of going against a rookie quarterback. Um, but they 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 you know their secondary is already pretty good. They got uh, uh, the rookie back, the safety, um, Keanu something Keanu. Oh, uh, let Hill, me maybe. I got it pulled uh, up right here. Uh, yeah, I'm, like, I'm the like worst the person that's going to be pronounced. Oh, Keanu Neal. <laughs> right. So they got him back, and he, and he's playing now, and, and he looks to be uh, like a pretty good player. And there was this other kid. Uh, let me try to look up his name real quick. Um, number 34, who they had playing is kind of like a hybrid linebacker. Kind of like what you see, uh, uh, Deion Jones, Arizona going, uh, thirty-four. No, middle. Brian Poole. I, I don't know his name. I just saw his number showing up a uh-huh. bunch. 
and 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 he was a difference maker last week. Like he, uh, I I saw some chatter on Twitter too. They were talking about, I guess that's not really his natural position per se. Mm-hmm. Linebacker, he's more of a secondary guy. But you know, like I said, kind of like with Carlos, and we knew that teams were gonna go to some more of these hybrids uh, uh, with the success that the Cardinals were were having with it. Um, I think uh, Washington is doing it now with with Sewell Cravens. Yeah. Um, But that kid had a pretty big day, too. Um, Just He was up near the line, but he was able to play linebacker but also do well in coverage uh, as well. So... um, I guess it is Brian Poole. That's that's what it looks like. Um, but uh, for whatever reason, he I thought was a difference maker last week. Yeah. So uh, maybe they'll have him matched up a little bit on Jimmy Graham trying to slow him down this week as well. So again, when it comes to the NFL, it's not about what you can do for one week anyway. It's about what you can do consistently. Yeah. So if they if if, if they have some success again on defense. Hey man, they might be the team to beat in the NFC, other than the Vikings. And speaking of the Vikings, I just don't. <laughs> I mean, I guess it wasn't a surprise to see him win this week against a Houston team that is just not very good. But man, they look really good. We were talking about this a little bit before the show. They look really good, but they're not that kind of. T- it's not like the Peyton Manning Broncos of 2013. You know, when he was out breaking all the scoring records or the. Or the twenty thousand or two thousand seven Patriots, where they were, you know, rolling with fifty points a game, sort of thing. But that's a, you know, it's a pretty good team from top to bottom, and they're, you know, they have a, a plus eleven turnover ratio. And I mean, the defensive line's tough, the secondary's tough, the offense isn't special, but they seem to be able to find a way no matter what's going on, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's one of those things where uh, I think that uh, there's so many reasons to doubt the Vikings that were kind of uh, made before the season. Teddy Bridgewater goes down. Then Adrian Peterson gets hurt right away. And then you, you trade for – you already traded for Sam Bradford, but nobody's really – you know, you talk about Matt Ryan. You want to talk about somebody being doubted. Nobody believes in Sam Bradford, I don't believe. Uh, <laughs> you know, everybody's kind of wait, waiting for the other shooter to drop. Oh, you're going to have a bad game soon enough. And so uh, I think that's one of the reasons why they aren't really getting the hype that they should be. That, yeah. they, that, that their performance to date would, would, would warrant. Yeah, because they, look, their their defense is just as dominant a defense as I've seen in a while. Yeah, uh, you talk about the Seahawks the last few years. You talk about the Broncos the last few years. That's the kind of defense they're playing in Minnesota right now. Uh, and so, uh, at the very least, we should be talking about how they look. I actually went back and watched uh, the All Twenty Two from the, the Texans game. And, yeah, Brock Osweiler missed on a couple of passes. But let me tell you something. For the most part, his terrible performance was about how good the Vikings were playing rather than how good or bad he is. Yeah. Because there just wasn't many places with him for him to go with the football. 
I mean, you look up and, and, and I just say, look, man, you tell me where you're supposed to throw the ball on some of these plays. And that's besides the fact that he got the rush coming after him play after play after play. Yeah. And they, they have their pass rush so coordinated now. Yeah. It's not just four guys rushing individually. They, they, they have it all coordinated, the blitzes, everything. To where if you're a quarterback, and, and, and look, <laughs> they had Cam Newton looking like after Cam, after the Panthers came out and scored like the first 10 points, uh, the rest of the game, they had Cam looking like Brock Osweiler <laughs> for just about the rest of the game. They got eight yeah. sacks on him. So they make pretty good quarterbacks look very bad. And so, like I said, I mean, that's just the defensive line. The linebackers, you know, you, you think sometimes you can get something in the underneath coverage, but all of their linebackers are playing well. Their secondary is playing well. Xavier Rose is playing some excellent football right now. Very physical at the line of scrimmage. Man, he was he was putting the hands on uh on Hopkins. Like I haven't seen in a long time. You know, I, I'm a big Nuck Hopkins fan, but he was having a hell of a time trying to get open. Yeah. So uh, just from top to bottom, that defense is balling. But then the offense is kind of holding its own now, too. Every week you see Bradford getting a little bit more comfortable. And that's yeah. in spite of the fact that their offensive line has gone through a whole bunch of injuries. I think they had another one on Sunday, as a matter of fact. They ended up signing Jake Long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if there was something we were worried about, it, it was that the offensive line wouldn't hold up because – Sam Bradford has had all these injury concerns. And so an uh, offensive line that was terrible last year and, and, and didn't look to be that much better this year suffers all these different losses up front, and they're still finding a way to be productive. Yeah. So at some point you have to say, man, like I said, this team is built almost perfectly um, for Mike Zimmer, the head coach. Great defense. Really good special teams. I think they returned a punt or something for a touchdown on Sunday as well. Uh, and, and we know they have uh, Corderell Patterson, who's always uh, dangerous in, in a return game. And a de- and an offense that just doesn't turn the football over. Yeah. That is, that is a winning equation when it comes to a defensive head coach. And they haven't even gotten into, you know, the later months when you really see those kind of teams – being even harder to beat when the weather's a factor, when yeah. it's cold, you know, those teams are, are just almost impossible to beat yeah. because they're not going to beat themselves. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if I, I can't say enough about them. I, I, I think at some point, you know, we're going to have to get over the fact that it's Sam Bradford at quarterback <laughs> and Adrian Peterson <laughs> is in there and just recognize that this is they're, – they're, they're the only – undefeated team there first of all but even if they weren't I mean it just the eyeball test tells you this is the best team in the league right now and I'm not sure it's close no and, and also I mean I you know Sam Bradford is a player I obviously have um, some documented opinions <laughs> about over the years but I, I mean I'm really surprised because like and it's not like none of it seems like a fluke per se it's not like like I went back and was looking Last week, I'm like, hey, is this just – or after the game Sunday, rather, which is like, is this just dink and dunk stuff? You know, like you go back to Bradford's rookie year and he won the Rookie of the Year award. I mean he had the 
record for rookie completion percentage at the time in 2010. It was 60%, I think. And that was, you know, part of that was a product of that offense. I mean, it was six yards per attempt. You know, it was a really very much a quick outs to the flat kind of kind of offense that he played in. And then, you know, it's not the case in Minnesota. I mean, I think he's averaging eight yards or almost eight yards per attempt this season. I mean, and, and you go back and you look at what the way people talked about him coming out of the draft. It was like, man, he just throws, you know, he doesn't have necessarily the strongest arm you're going to find in the NFL, but he's really accurate on deep passes. But that was really, you never really saw that so far in his NFL career. You didn't see the deep throws. You didn't see the accuracy on the deep throws. And you really saw, and I think this might have been a product too, of playing in a, you know, opening your career with a shitty Rams team that couldn't keep you protected, but kind of afraid to throw deep. And not having receivers is probably a factor there too, but afraid to throw the ball deep almost. And and he's found that. Like he can do that now with confidence and his deep throws are good. I mean, they're not like in the area or in range for a good receiver to catch. They're on the money. And that's that's the Sam Bradford I think, you know, we all sort of expected to see back in 2010 and we never saw you know, expected to see him in the year after that when they hired Josh McDaniels. And then when he goes to Philadelphia with Chip Kelly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we haven't now we're actually seeing that and it's it's kind of fun. I, I it's it's hard to go back and eat your words, man. <laughs> and look, it's still early, right? It's still we we're not even halfway through the season, yeah. so there's still a chance that um, he he will regress. And I get that. And bigger than that, one of the major problems in his career hasn't necessarily even been his performance; it's been his availability. He's just yeah. been hurt so much. So there there's still that concern out there too. But but for just for right now, and I get it, man. Sometimes it's just hard to, <laughs> you know, trust your eyes when you've seen a guy not play well for several years of his career. It's kind of hard to look back and say, you know, they're playing now and just not think in the back of your mind, I know who this guy really is. He He's going to show himself eventually. Um, because I'm, I'm struggling with it too, <laughs> just to be honest with you, but... <laughs> But so, at some point, you just have to say, "Look, I think that you know there's a chance he he <clears throat> ends up faltering at some point." But for now, the guy's playing playing his ass off, yeah. Basically, so it, you know, it, it, nothing to complain about. You just have to kind of, you know, at some point, just acknowledge that hey, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it's that North Turner influence, which we know how good he's been. As offense coordinator, coordinator uh, rather than a head coach, yeah, maybe it's that. Uh, but but regardless of whatever it is, it's damn effective right now. That's for sure. You know, it's funny. I, someone like way back early in Bradford's career, and people were trying to kind of figure him out. I remember somebody. I don't remember who it was, but somebody of note was saying, "You know, this guy would be. You know, this guy would be a good fit with North Turner." And sure as shit. Six years later, he finds his way to Minnesota under offensive coordinator Norv Turner, and and by God, they were right. <laughs> well, the, the 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 thing about that is, what quarterback wouldn't be good? Well, <laughs> Norv yeah. Turner. That, that that's the that's the the great part about that. But yeah, I mean, who would have thought that he'd have ended up there? 
Yeah, you know, I know. Be in a position to be coached by Noah Turner. So, uh, and, and you know, it, it's not like Sean Hill was exactly lining up their first game. Yeah. Right. So, it, it, you know, Noah Turner isn't necessarily a magician. Some of this definitely is Sam Bradford, um, but it, look, they are built to win. It, it, even though he's throwing the football down the field a little bit more, I still would say they're not asking him to go out there and win the game per se. Yeah. You know, they want to, 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 to stay within the offense and make the safe play for the most part, but they're really just asking him not to lose the game. Yeah. And to me, sometimes that can even be harder than trying to go out and win the game because it goes against your instincts. It, it can kind of make you play a little bit too tentative. That's, that's something I think that is affecting, uh, uh, Andrew Luck right now in a negative way. Yeah. But he he's embraced it and he's doing a great job of it. He's still taking those shots, but he's not throwing the ill-advised pass into triple coverage. Yeah. And so, you know, that's what they can't have happening. And that's what he's been avoiding. And if, as long as he can continue to do that, I think they'll have a great chance to win every game. Yeah. You know, the other thing I noticed about Minnesota's offense is it, it's a lot of Bradford right now because their running game hasn't really picked up yet. Well, even when they had Adrian Peterson, they were running the football. I mean, I think last, uh, yeah, they have yet to like all season. They've yet to, I mean, one one game, and that was the game against the Giants. They had for the whole team, 104 yards. That's the only time they've had a total of triple digit yardage on the ground this season. And I think they're averaging as a team, Two and a half yards per carry. Yeah, that sounds about right. Which is kind of funny because you think about it like that Mike Zimmer team and the defense and ball control and stuff like that. But it's, you know, you, you got to, and I know part of that's probably their offensive line because that offensive line has done better in pass protection, but it still has some weaknesses. And, and you see that with the injuries that they've, so Khalil was injured before the season starts. Now you got Andre Smith injured, but you know that they've had. Uh, you know they've done okay in pass protection, but it's really the running, the run blocking that's been iffy. I guess right. No, uh, that, that's pretty much accurate. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that they've been just great in pass uh, protection either. I think that the play calling has allowed them not to get exposed that way. But T.J. Clemens, you know, they had to move him to left tackle. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he, it, it got over, ugly over there a few times. Um, but but they're just finding a way. You know, Sam Bradford is, is, is not really uh, holding on to the football very long. He's not giving teams the opportunity to sack him a lot either. And, 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 and the thing to remember is this, like, even with – the low output on offense. That doesn't mean they're necessarily not running the football. Uh, they ran the football with uh, their top two backs 34 times last week against the Texans. Now, um, they didn't get 100 yards out of that, mm-hmm. but they, 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 they did run the football enough where it made you respect play-action pass. Yeah. And so that that's one thing about it is like even when they don't run the football well, they're going to commit to running the football. Period. Yeah. 
to to have balance, maybe not necessarily as far as you know get a hundred yards rushing and three hundred yards passing, but just just so you have play calling balance enough to where a, a defense can't just tee off on Sam Bradford or tee off on the offensive line. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 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 helps them. Anytime you can get teams uh, a defensive line to have to respect the run before they transition to to pass rushers, that's going to help the offensive line. They need all the help they can get right now. Yeah, with all the injuries they're going through. So so that's one thing I would say is like, um, no, they're not being as successful running the football. But whereas some teams would abandon the run, and then that's how you get in trouble. They're at least still committed to running the football, yeah. even if they're not having a big day. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that makes a difference. It makes a big difference. But they've got a bye week this week, so there's no Vikings game. So there's, they're 5-0. and oh, They're still the, they're going to be the NFL's only undefeated <laughs> team for another week at least. At least. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Hey, so I guess the, one of the big stories last week, as you may have heard – I guess Tom Brady was back. There was that rumor. I, I, heard some, some <laughs> I didn't hear that. very much about it, strangely enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, a little, little flying under the radar. I guess. <laughs> back, and uh, he said he was rusty, and I'm sure he probably was. And I guess that's a nice way if you're feeling a little rusty after a four-game suspension. Um, that uh, I guess a nice way to to kind of land on your feet is to have a game against the Browns. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, and, and not to take a big crap on the Browns, but they are the only uh, team without a win in the NFL now, you know, <laughs> in the contrast to the Vikings. And their defense generally leaves a lot to be desired. So, yeah, I, you know, you couldn't have scripted it any better than that, I don't think. Yeah. And what I think is 400, he threw for like just a little over 400 yards, three touchdowns. But I, I think the thing that like I took away from that game, watching Brady back, wasn't like, oh, the whole revenge tour or whatever. But I think that the most interesting thing is, is and this is something we talked about even going back into this summer, that offense looks pretty fucking explosive. And you knew the two tight ends were going to be. Bennett had what? Did Bennett have two touchdowns or three touchdowns? Three. Three, three. touchdowns. Gronk yep. didn't have any touchdowns, but he had oodles of yards. yards. <laughs> yeah. And looked like, yeah, it looked like the Gronk of old. And then, you know, it's just like and, – and I think the underrated part that people weren't talking about a lot with that was Chris Hogan on the outside. Like, I'm going back back to what you said before the season starts. I mean, Chris Hogan looks fucking good on the outside. He really does. He 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 gives them that deep threat now that they've kind of been trying to find ever since Randy Moss. Yeah. Um. He's not Randy Moss, obviously. <laughs> right. But he he's got good, real good downfield speed. He's like six one, even though he doesn't never necessarily look like it all the time. He kind of looks like uh, smaller for whatever reason on film. But this isn't. He, he's a white guy. We got to say that. But this isn't deceptive <laughs> speed or anything like that. He's he's flat out fast, and so uh, he's got good size. He's got good speed, and he's got really good hands. And in that kind of offense, man, especially with those two tight ends in, you just know that he's going to get a whole lot of one on one opportunities out wide. 
because the safeties are going to have to pay so much attention to Gronk and Bennett. That's when they're not trying to chase down Edelman doing those little short crossing routes. Yeah. And, 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 and Hogan is going to make you pay. Hell, if, if he didn't basically give himself a concussion after the second long pass uh, that he caught, um, <laughs> he probably would have had like 200 yards receiving. He, yeah. he, he might have had the day that Grunt ended up, ended up having because he was just running by guys. Like, yeah. It actually on that play, the 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 I guess it might have been like sixty yards or something. He he ended up banging his head on the turf uh, after uh, Joe Hayden tackled him, but he ran right by Joe Hayden like he wasn't even there. Yeah, like he was just Joe Hayden. I guess maybe didn't hadn't played against Chris Hogan before or something. I, I'm not <laughs> sure, but he grossly underestimated <laughs> how fast Chris Hogan was. Because I mean that was like wow. He just ran right by him. No double move or nothing like that. <laughs> just he just got him. And, and 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 like I said, I don't think that that's going to be an anomaly long term. Um, Chris Hogan is going to get, give them an added element to go along with those two ridiculous tight ends. To where yeah, they're going to be held in the red zone, but they're also going to be a big play offense as well. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you do as an offense, uh, as a defense coordinator. I, I said that before the season, and I stand by it. I'm watching the film, and I guess you just got to hope that, that Brady has an off day or something. Yeah. Because there's guys wide open all over the place throughout that film from from uh, Sunday. Yeah. And it's not just because it was the Browns they were playing. Yeah. No, I think there are like – there are – one, two, three, four players, four different players. Because you got the two tight ends, Chris Hogan, and then James White had a 36-yard catch and run, too. I mean, that's four players that had big chunk plays like that. And again, I know it's the Browns, but like still, that's pretty, you know, <laughs> that's pretty impressive feat nonetheless. Oh, it is. And, and, and look, the things you have to understand is this. Um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, the Packers offense, right, and how it's kind of stagnant now. What's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Well, it, the, the Packers kind of run this offense where they expect guys to beat their man. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's how they have to win. So, uh, on the one hand, uh, you know, the wide receivers have to win. And then because it's such a, a small uh, margin for error – Aaron Rodgers has to throw the ball, you know, almost perfect every time. Yeah. Because these guys are are barely winning when they do win. Yeah. But but the the Patriots offense is such a contrast to that because they basically set it up where guys are just wide open. Yeah. Not necessarily always wide open down the field. If you notice, a lot of those passes that Brady throws is of the dink and dunk variety. Yeah. Three yards. Four yards there, five yards here. Yeah. But then sooner or later, they know that you're going to have to to roll up your defense to try to take away that stuff because they just, you know, they're going on these 15-play drives just dinking and dunking. Mm-hmm. And then they have the ability to hit you over the top as well. It's just phenomenal, man. It And and the thing about it, like I say, this is why I say it's not just about the, them playing the Browns because it's not necessarily that they were just winning one-on-one. Mm-hmm. These were schematic things where anybody playing the same coverage is going to run into the same type of problem. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. basically. So uh, you can look at what they did against the Browns, and what, what jumps out to you is this can happen any week. It, it, you, you, you know, maybe not the Vikings because the Vikings just has such a better pass rush, or, or maybe the Broncos or the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. But for most teams, they don't have just a ridiculous pass rush. Whatever you saw working against the Browns on Sunday is probably going to work against them too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a sight to behold, man. <laughs> it really is. I was just watching that game and just it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> if this is rust, I don't I can't imagine what the polished waxed product is gonna look like here. Whew! What uh let's see, what else is jumping off the page at you in, in the NFL world right now, Steven? Hmm. Let me think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Well, we, we can't not talk about Kaepernick starting. Yes, that's right. I even have that on my notes here. Right. So um, I do think that's going to be a big deal because listen, um, Colin Kaepernick didn't play well last year, and. The 49ers were probably right to bench him. Mm-hmm. Um, but their offense was fucking terrible last year. Not just players, although I would say that their you know, wide receivers last year, most of their skill positions left a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. But just the scheme itself. I think I mentioned this last year, either on the podcast or, or maybe even in print, that you look and you, you're trying to figure out what they were even trying to do. Like, what was the purpose of some of these route combinations and it just didn't make any sense yeah you know, guys were just you know it wasn't necessarily like the green bay offense because you know even though it's a you got to beat your man offense at least the packers do stuff that you can kind of understand why they're doing it yeah this is more it's a hey man go run around and do whatever route you want to and we'll figure this shit out later <laughs> so um at the very least with Chip Kelly now, he has these defined reads where guys are supposed to be open. And guess what? Most of the time they are open. Yeah. Um, and and that and that's really the problem for Blaine Gabbert. That's really why they had to at least see what uh Kaepernick could do at this point, is because so many times Chip Kelly is dialing up these plays that are producing wide open receivers running down the field and Blaine Gabbert is just flat out missing it. Yeah. Right? These aren't timing throws. These aren't, you know, uh, you know, these route combinations that are so complex that you can't figure them out. They're just set up in such a way that they attack defenses at their weakest point and, and expose them. It wasn't that Blaine Gabbert couldn't figure out who to throw the ball to. He just couldn't get the football to them. And so it goes back to what I said about uh, Kaepernick as soon as I heard about Kelly coming on as the head coach in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We know that, that in the passing game, Kaepernick has his own limitations sometimes. He, he, he's not a guy who's going to throw an out route, a deep out on time, right? He's not going to, you know, the, the back foot hit and he, the ball's coming out. Those anticipatory throws is not necessarily his forte. But you give him some wide open receivers, especially down the field, 
And with that cannon he has, he can hit those guys, mm-hmm. right? If, if Blaine Gabbert hits like two of those deep throws uh, the other day, they win the football game mm-hmm. uh, against the Cardinals because both teams are just playing so fucking terrible. Yeah. But it's just he missing wide open guys. And so Colin Kaepernick, at the very least, is as, as athletic, probably more <laughs> Athletic yeah. to blame, yeah. you would think. I know he's lost, <laughs> and he is quite as strong as he was, but he can give you, at the very least, what, what Gabbard is giving you uh, as far as the quarterback run part of, of Kelly's offense. Yeah. But the passing game, he can't do any worse. Yeah. He might go out there and be a savior, but he can't possibly do any worse. And there's a very good chance that he can actually do better because I'm telling you this. You know, Torrey Smith, they still have him. They got him last year. That guy is very fast. Mm-hmm. And and Kaepernick has a cannon attached to his arm. It don't always go exactly where you want it to go, <laughs> especially on those timing rounds. But like I said, you give him a wide-open receiver down the field, and he can sling it. Yeah. So I, I think that this is kind of a move they had to make. It wasn't so much about Kaepernick. Because evidently the reports are he hasn't necessarily, you know, been all that great at practice. Yeah. As much as it's about Blaine Gabbert just being an epic fail. Yeah. And so you, you, you had to make the move. But I do believe that even with Kaepernick being underweight or whatever, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to go out there and surprise some people. Because um, I said it before, if there was ever an offense that was tailor-made for him, yeah, it's this one. So at the very least, we'll know at the end of this year if he has any kind of future in the NFL uh, past this season. Yeah, because if he can't succeed in this offense. I don't see another offense or another situation where he could succeed. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It's like one thing he did well under Harbaugh was it was a pretty simple offense, and and Kelly's offense, for as much as we people talk about and the way people talk about it, I don't think it's especially complex in the way that you would, you know, you've got the the Greg Olson playbook or something like that. But like, you know, Kaepernick would one read, two read, go kind of thing is what he did a lot of. And he's got the arm to throw it. And if he's got open receivers now, even with a not very good San Francisco team, they can do some damage, you know? I mean, I don't, this obviously doesn't change the equation for the playoffs for them or anything like that, I wouldn't think, but it's, um, it it definitely makes it more interesting to watch. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and even if they don't make the playoffs, if he can get them close, yeah. If he can get them back to being respectable. Yeah. Then that, then that's something to build on. And especially if he looks good in his offense, because look, he did succeed in, in Harbaugh's offense, but even then, he had some blind spots that you yeah. obviously see. You know, he he, he was uh, uh, getting a lot of delay of game penalties and stuff like that. The 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 process part of playing quarterback, he still had issues with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and like I talked about before, some of the timing issues, timing throws and stuff, still wasn't his forte. Yeah, but he was being assimilated into a pro style offense, having come from. Nevada running an offense that was a lot more like uh, Chip Kelly. Yeah. So what Harbaugh did was actually incorporate 
some of the Nevada stuff into his offense. You know, mm-hmm. you saw uh, Gap, uh, uh, Kaepernick in the pistol sometimes and doing those things uh, to try to kind of take advantage of, of the stuff he was comfortable with. Well, this time, Chip Kelly doesn't really have to adjust to Kaepernick because this is what Kaepernick already knew. Yeah. And, and Kaepernick himself said that, you know, he has such a great uh, um, familiarity with what Chip Kelly wants to do because of what he's done in college. Yeah. And so this isn't trying to, you know, shave up his edges so you can fit this square peg into a round hole mm-hmm. like Harbaugh did a great job of. This is more, hey, you know, this is exactly what his skill set was made for, essentially. Yeah. So, again, I'm not saying that it's going to work for sure. It, it certainly could not. It, it, he might go out there and fall on his face. But if there was ever an offense that could tap into every bit of his potential, is this one. Because yeah. like you alluded to, this is not complex. He's not going to have to sit there and try to wait, you know, for something to come open. Mm-hmm. Kelly won't be mad if he takes off running. He's getting all these yards. It, you know, he's going to have to protect himself because of his injuries or what have you. But there's a potential for him to be a big hit in this offense. And that helps the 49ers from the perspective of now you don't have to go out there and try to find a new quarterback next year. Yeah. If you know this guy – actually fits in this offense and you can win with him at quarterback. Now you can go and look out for the other pieces that you need to put around him instead of starting all the way over from zero again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, they, they had, I mean, I don't know the specifics of his contract before this latest restructure, but you know, there was talk that, you know, a lot of people, and this had nothing to do with the protest, but a lot of people thought that, you know, they could probably cut him, wouldn't be surprised to see him get cut before the you know with that with the roster cuts before the season starts. I mean, they didn't have you know San Francisco. It looked like for a long time during the off season that San Francisco and Colin Kaepernick were probably going to part ways with each other. But it's probably telling that they didn't, and they hired Chip Kelly in the same year. You know. Well, well, that's true. But then again, you know, in the back the background of this whole conversation, of course, is his contract. Yeah. And he had so much money guaranteed for skill or injury, and then it became uh, guaranteed just for injury, which is why a lot of people think it took them so long to make this move in the first place. They didn't want to risk him going out there and getting hurt, and then them owing him this money, which is kind of fucked up when you think about it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Uh, it's really bad. (laughs) I mean, sometimes when people say that, I wonder if they hear what they're saying. (laughs) They're worried about a dude going out there and getting hurt playing for them and then them have to actually compensate him for getting hurt playing for them. We ain't talking about a hangnail. Yeah. In order for him to get that money, he would have to suffer some kind of catastrophic injury. Yeah. And and it seems like when people say that, they throw it out there without really considering that. They're like, maybe, just maybe, he wouldn't have earned that money if he gets hurt playing for them. Yeah. But but regardless, that was a calculation that they might have made and you know they couldn't play them with these guarantees. Yeah. But um now that it looks like they're gonna do a workaround on his contract, it's been reported in a way, evidently nothing's been signed so far. Yeah. 
uh, then it kind of opened up the door for them to go ahead and see what he could do. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it is a, an amazing turn of events. When you think about all of the bullshit that went, went down in the offseason, you know, kept demanding a trade and almost being out the door to Denver and, uh, you know, just the whole thing. Because, it, you know, at the end of the day, he ended up missing so much time in the offseason and then he gets to camp and something happens to his arm and he can't throw the football. He couldn't do like the joint practices against another team. Yeah. He didn't play him, but like one preseason game. Really, they had a, a lot of reason to cut him. Yeah. Like that's why it wouldn't have been all that 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 surprising is because he just wasn't available for yeah. most of the uh, all season. And at least, at the very least, Blaine Gabbert was. Yeah. No matter how good or bad he played, even though he played decent in the preseason, I thought. Um, so uh, through it all, it's just it's just kind of amazing that they did stick with him, even with the injury guarantees, even with his tumultuous offseason. And now they may well benefit from having done that. And you just wonder, was it Chip Kelly pushing that? Or did the front office finally step back and realize, hey, we're being ridiculous right now. Yeah. Which maybe they did. You never know. That that's you. I, I, sometimes uh, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they did realize how ridiculous it all was. But who the fuck knows? It'll be interesting to see it. I mean, I, and I know we didn't really talk about this, but it'll be, um, I, I know with this protest, if he struggles at all, my God, I, I'm going to have to turn off Twitter, I think, that day. <laughs> I can only imagine the egg Abby's going crazy. Oh man, crazy well, with that! I saw somebody uh, yesterday saying, "Oh, well, what we're gonna do is we're gonna shout the Star Spangled Banner <laughs> the whole time the Forty Nine on the field." <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> sure, buddy, you go ahead and do it. I'm just gonna <laughs> you try that. That that, that makes just, it makes it for a great chant. Let me tell you. <laughs> Man, it's just so ironic that people with the egg AVIs have just about as much brain as their AVIs. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Yeah, as, as Sunday might turn out to be a block party, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Man, look, uh, I'm, I'm preemptively blocking. Because if you pull up for the guy not to do well, I, I'm just not here for that. No. Not at all. Uh, it's it's an amazing and it's amazing too because people are so and this is just I don't know this is probably beyond the, the topic of the podcast here but like it's such a there's such a culture of just being pissed off about everything like somebody we posted the news on Facebook yesterday hey it's news Colin Kaepernick's gonna start I would we would post that whether he protested the anthem or not it's a big deal somebody sends us a message it's like Liberal websites like you are why Trump's going to run this country someday. <laughs> All we, it's a starting quarterback change. It doesn't right. have anything to so, do with red state, blue state, Black Lives Matter, anything like that. <laughs> right. It's literally nothing about the protest, but you know, people have to, they got to get there, make their outrage known. And of course, ironically enough, the same people who will, you know, Find a post, like you said, just a germane post about, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, they, he's going to start today. 
and, and go off and, and have this psychotic screed oh. are the same people who say, oh, this is too PC culture. People are always mad about <laughs> you. You're outraged, outraged all the time. Outraged yeah. industry. Yeah. But you sitting up here just mad online. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. Gotta it be mad something. Gotta be mad somewhere. Gotta be mad about something. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just the world we live in today. What a terrible way to go through life, though. It, it really is. It's it's like there's such a major lack of self awareness these days. That, that's the thing that gets me more than anything. Is like you you you're, you're yelling about something that basically you're yelling about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Constantly, yeah. I hate this. How I hate that. Now let me do this and let me do that. Yeah, to show you just how much I hate it. <laughs> I'm gonna do the exact thing I say I hate. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's like what a pleasant person to be around. They must be. <laughs> Man, you know, and they all. Oh, let me get started. <laughs> oh, let me get started. I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta just, you gotta, you gotta push through. I don't like seven and nine football. I, I don't like Jeff Fisher, but I still, here we go. Here we are. I could still watch the NFL and enjoy it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't, I mean, I felt like I maybe missed an opportunity last week, so I had to get, a, I had to get my weekly Fisher slam in there anyway. So. Yeah, too. Family man bullshit. <laughs> I'm contractually <laughs> obligated. obligated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Um, I think we're. Uh, I think we got a good show on the books here. I think people are really going to get a treat. And if they want to yell at us online because we put out such a good show, by God, feel free to do it. Yep, just do it. You're going to be shouting it to the wind. <laughs> Go right ahead and get it in. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> All right, Stephen. Um, I want you to enjoy this week's games and uh, and and uh, have a good week. Yeah, the butts aren't playing, so I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Talk about stress levels coming down. Yeah, look, way down. I'm I'm straight this whole weekend. I'm well, all right. Your kicker's living up to second round status now. So. Ooh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> don't you see? I'm trying to be stress free this week. I don't even talk about it. See, I ain't even bring it up. I ain't even bring it up. But. But you do the same. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> All look, right. Please, I'm down too, man. Look, <laughs> at the very least, I don't have to worry about the NFL for one week. But, yeah. <laughs> you could just enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. That's uh, that's a wrap. We'll uh, we'll do it again next week. Cool. Looking forward to it. 